Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. Uh, Tonight's topic is resurrection Christology, resurrection Christology. That is the resurrection Christology of Paul that sustains the weary in tough times. Now, I wanted to do this particular uh, show because of what is going on in this culture, such as it is, and uh, around the world. I want to express tonight the imperative nature of being preoccupied with the person of Jesus. Do not be led away. Do not be distracted by what is going on around you or even within you. There are times when the saints are on the battlefield and there are times when the saints are the battlefield. And if you have read the word of God, you know this. Think about the many battles and engagements of Joshua. Think about the spiritual warfare of Job. Note the intensity of his deep suffering. And if you study Job carefully, you will learn that this man believed that in spite of all of his sufferings, all of his toil and trouble, This man believed, and he said, yet in my flesh, I will be God. Jesus was was Job's blessed hope. And in these times, when the current reality is crashing before our very eyes, we need to have the same depth of assurance, the same hope as Job. We need God in these dark days. We don't need another philosophy because philosophy has failed. We don't need another psychotherapy. Psychotherapy and psychotherapies and psychiatry have uniformly failed the people. Who we need is Jesus Christ. And remember the person of Christ. When you are facing tough times, when you are weary about what is going on in your life, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask your direction tonight for this Bible study. We pray to be guided by your Spirit, Lord, who is our primary teacher. And we do thank you evermore for our Savior who gave his life in 3380 on a Roman kid for our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to... Uh, read from from Galatians chapter 6, Galatians 6. And I want to read these words of Paul to you because I want you to see who Paul is. And that Paul was not merely an intellectual. He did not write merely so that others could read what he had written and and give him temple praise. Paul wrote truth. Uh, He was inspired. He was moved by the Spirit of God to pen truth for the saints. And so, yes, God used the personality of Paul. Paul did not merely take dictation from the Spirit. We see through his writings his personality. We see, uh, we see the Apostle Paul and and how God used his brilliant mind uh, to create these thirteen documents for the church, and they are wonderful indeed if you study them in great detail. Now, this is what Paul writes in Galatians six, beginning with verse seven. Quote. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So in other words, do not roam from truth. Do not roam from truth. And notice the uh, reciprocal reality. Notice the, uh, the language. Uh, that is this reciprocal reality of sowing and reaping. For whatsoever uh, man sows, that shall he also harvest. That shall he also harvest. Verse 8, for he that soweth upon his flesh, and so uh, we have an attitude here. He that sweareth upon his flesh shall uh, of the flesh harvest decay. And in the old King James, it reads corruption, but uh, he that sweareth to his flesh shall of the flesh harvest decay. That is ruin. So it is both, and the ruin here is both spontaneous and inflicted. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit harvest life eternal. These are the words of Paul. This is the truth Paul lived. This was the the Bible determinative uh, truth of his life. Paul lived the truth that he wrote about. Paul 
was a mature believer. Paul was spirit-filled, spirit-led. Paul was alert in his life not to send the Spirit of God. Paul was not a hypocrite. He did not wear a mask. Paul would write, for me to live Christ, to die gain. But there are those who have built uh, hypocritical careers by standing in pulpits or delivering homilies or speeches based upon the word of God. But in their private lives, they were something completely different. And Paul addresses this phenomenon, believe it or not, uh, in a section of scripture. And, uh, and it, it is brilliant the way he delivered it. But I'm not going to cover that here. So he goes on. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall harvest as we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially unto them who are, who are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, listen to this language, they constrain you to be circumcised. So he hears to hear. He's talking about the Judaizers that dogged his heels, the Judaizers that persecuted believers. The Judaizers came along and said, not only must uh, a believer uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, but you must also keep or adhere to the law of Moses. And so uh, this is what Paul is writing about here. So they, and now uh, Jesus had, Jesus fulfilled the covenant. When the veil of the temple was writ in twain or in two, that signified a new and living way to God. The veil had been torn under. And so now, uh, we have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer do we need a high priest, or no longer will Israel need a high priest to go uh, behind the veil uh, as he did. That is all done away. Christ is the new creation, the new covenant. We have to begin with understanding uh, the new covenant and what it means the new contract, the new covenant, the new system. God said in the Old Testament, I am doing a new thing. And Jeremiah 31, 31 talks about uh, the new covenant. Jesus uh, spoke about this in John 3 when he met with Nicodemus at night. God was doing something new. You and I have to understand that God is doing something new, and God did something new through you when you were given what? You and I were given the new birth, the fresh birth, the birth from above, 
See, no one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he or she is born anew, said Jesus. There will be no fair showing of the flesh in heaven. For God is all in all. We are kings and priests. Please, uh, before, the Lord, uh, before the Lord God, read Revelation chapter 1. So, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they can say you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. If you are a real believer, you're going to be persecuted. That is, you're going to be pursued because you belong to Jesus, because you're something new. You're a new creation. That is incompatible with the world system. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. Only Jesus kept the law perfect. Only Jesus. The law was given by Moses, John 1, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law showed the inability of man to please God. The law uh, magnified, as it were, human sin. Jesus kept the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. He completed what the law was meant to do. Verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Listen, the language is incredible. Paul was done with the past. He was done with the old life. And so God used Paul in this, in this magnificent way. Listen, when you finally decide to give up the world's values, the world's beliefs, and what this system represents, and you decide for Jesus Christ, you're going to see marvelous things happen in your life. You're going to see marvelous blessings, marvelous realities. God's going to show you things uh, that are unbelievable. Why? Because you stop the corruption, or, or you stop walking in corruption. And you've given your mind to the Lord Jesus Christ so that he could fill your mind with good things and take away the necrotic stuff of this age, the ugliness, the filth, the degradation, the pollution that's inherent in this system. When you crucify the flesh, that is taken away. So Paul talks about the, 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 he says, by whom uh, the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy uh, and upon the Israel of God. Who is the Israel of God? He is speaking of the people of God, the Israel of God. The, the language is incredible. Verse 17, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, 
for I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus. Look, Paul talks, he uses the word stigma. He uses the word stigmata. He was beaten, uh, and that the, the beatings that he suffered left marks within his flesh. Every lash from the whip that Paul suffered was on behalf of Jesus. Every lash, every mark that was left upon his flesh told a story of the crucifixion of the flesh, of leaving the past behind. So that Jesus might be glorified in his body. So I have in my library some books on Christology that is on the doctrine of Christology written by theologians. And some of them are good. They're, 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 they're academic exercises, as it were. But then when I go back to the New Testament, and I read uh, the Christology of Paul, and Paul did not write about Christ. Theologians write about Paul, wrote, to me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul wrote that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul wrote, therefore, I will glorify in my infirmities. Paul wrote of the living experiential reality of the person of Jesus. Paul did not merely renounce the flesh. Paul crucified the flesh because he didn't want more of Jesus. That language is never used in the New Testament. We are to crucify the flesh that we might get more of Jesus. No, that language is not in the word of God. It's not found in the writings of Paul. We crucify the flesh with its affections and lust. Paul wrote that I might know him. What is the word that sustains the weary and tough times? If you belong to Jesus and you know that you do, and you know that you will suffer, you know this. But the word that sustains the weary is who Jesus is and what he has promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, never, no, never, no, never. In this world, you will be in tight places. But be of good cheer, said Jesus, for I have overcome the world. Ye in me and I in you, said Jesus. 
Jesus promised he would be with us. He promised the parakletos, the one who would come alongside, that is the strong one of authority. So the parakletos is within our lives. We can be filled with the Spirit. That is, to be filled with the Spirit means to be guided by the Spirit of God. That is, our minds, our sanctified minds are guided by the Spirit of God, our sanctified hearts, the sanctified tongue, the sanctified uh, eyes. God sanctifies every uh, part of our being as unto him. So that we can serve him as we should. It is when this happens, happens that we bear fruit unto the Lord. And the Lord prunes us. That is, he cuts off that which is dead so that you and I might bring forth more fruit. And that is how we tell we, that we, we are growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, we are fruit-bearing. <laughs> we live in tough times. And we live in times in which people celebrate their flesh. Oh, they talk of themselves and, and who and what they are and who and what they do. They celebrate the flesh. But look, just think about the Word of God. Think about what happened to the antediluvian world that celebrated the flesh. How God uh, dashed down that old world. That's the word that Peter uses. God dashed down that old world. The, uh, the, the God broke up. The waters came up from uh, out of the ground, and the windows of heaven were open. And through this, uh, through this effort. God did what? God collapsed the old world. The water from above met the water from beneath. And so God collapsed that old world. And it's sinfulness. Every thought of the thought of the imaginations of their hearts were only evil continually. And it grieved God. It grieved God to see what they were like and what they were doing. And so he ended it. But there was one light, and that light was was Noah. And Noah was a, a type of Christ. And God commissioned Noah to build the ark. The ark had only one window. And it was not made to sail. It was not designed to sail. You read carefully the structure and the engineering involved in the ark. God made it to do what? God designed it. Because he designed it. God designed He told Noah the type of wood to use. Because this vessel was going to be dashed about. This vessel had to endure uh, some in, in incredible uh, 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 bouncing about. And 
when you think about this vessel that only had one window, what kind of window was this? Well, you know it was all God designed. And it was God who closed up that ark. There was a time uh, the message of salvation was uh, went out, and then it was God who led the animals into the ark to preserve them. It was God who told Noah how much food that he would need. And so God destroyed the old world. And then God created a new world. And then we see the, uh, what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and think about it, uh, that, his, that Lot's wife looked back and she was turned by God into a, a, a pillar of salt. Now, when you think about all those people in the old world, the antediluvian world, uh, what became of them? What became of their bodies? And what did, uh, how did God dispose of them? If you read carefully uh, and you, you, you study uh, this topic carefully, you look about the world today, you, you will notice some interesting artifacts in what we call nature. But a lot of this information is hidden from uh, people because uh, if you read Romans 1, you will read where God says that this knowledge is suppressed because they don't want people to know. But we know that most of the the cultures of the ancient world had a flood narrative, had a flood story. The the Chinese had a flood story. The Eskimos had a flood story. The Romans had a flood story. Uh, The Aztecs had a flood story. The kingdoms of Africa had a flood narrative. The world knew about the flood. Roman coins had the picture of the Caesar, and on the obverse, that is, on the backside, it had a, a depiction of the flood. The ancient world knew. The ancient world knew about giants. They wrote about the giants. And so God does not lie. God tells the truth. And so it is time that we divest ourselves of a culture that has lied to us. You and I will receive peace only in Jesus. Paul had perfect peace in Jesus because he gave up the flesh. He surrendered it. And when I read the writings of Paul, I have never come across a piece that talked about Paul's depression, Paul's self-interest, Paul's disappointment, and Paul looking upon himself. Now, in 2 Corinthians, 
he did ask God to remove from his life something that was torturing him. Some people think it was his eyesight, or, but we don't know. But he talks about uh, the messenger Satan that was in his life to beat him black and blue because of the abundance of revelations that he had received. Paul, Paul, Paul saw what was in the third heaven. And he beheld uh, realities that were un- that are unlawful for men to speak about. Paul saw, and just think of the arrogance that would create for the ordinary person. And so, three times that this phenomenon, whatever it was, would be uh, taken from him. But God said no. No, I'm not going to remove it. And so after he received God's answer, Paul says, well, then I will will glory in my infirmity. And so, in other words, he changed his mind. He changed his attitude about this phenomenon. He changed his mind. Through the Spirit of God. This is what God does for us. Well, I'm here, God, and I'm suffering this, and I'm going through this. Well, how is God using it in your life? And why is it there? And what does God want you to learn about? Prayer, supplication, endurance, how to stay on your knees longer how to seek him more, how to stop relying on yourself, how to stop whining and complaining. You learn how to remain under that situation until God sees fit to remove it. And when that event, whatever it is, that God has placed in your life has completed, it's divinely designed uh, well, let us say what well, what God wanted from it, then God will remove it. You will, God, uh, we get the blessing, and God gets the victory. And so, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the face of his friend. Is Jesus your friend? I turn to him. Every day, because I need direction, I need his wisdom, not mine. I need God's guidance. Through the wilderness of this age, through the wilderness of this world, I need the direction of God. I need his sustaining power and wisdom. I, I need him. So... Paul writes, and this is Galatians 6.17, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this, this is his testimony. Well, you might say, well, Paul wrote about the Almighty God. In his letter to the Ephesians, he does, Ephesians 6. Well, but Paul had on the armor of God. Just think about this. Then why would he talk about 
bearing in his body the, uh, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about what the armor of God is. Think about spiritual warfare. And think about how God is protecting us and what the, that armor is meant to do. Think about Job's life. And I think about uh, what Job never tried to hide from his misery through insanity. He never tried that. And it is amazing to think about the depth of his suffering. And he never tried uh, to, to find solace uh, in, in crying, me, 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 me. Now, he did have his complaint, and he said that uh, of God that he runs upon me, and he jumps up and down upon me like a giant. He did say these things. He did want to go before the throne of God and plead his case because he wanted to know why, God, if I have served you like this, why are these events, why is this happening to me? But it is noted that Job never sinned with his mouth. He never sinned against God because what was in his heart was the love of God. What is in Paul's heart is the love of God. What is, in, 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 what is in Jesus' heart is the love of God. Jesus looked upon the rich young ruler and loved him. The young man walked away from Jesus dejected because he was possessed by his possessions. And he challenged Jesus. And then Jesus challenged him. He said, Jesus said, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it. When Jesus met Zacchaeus, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus went because Zacchaeus had climbed into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. He was a tiny man, and so he climbed up so he could see Jesus. And when Jesus walked up and Jesus looked up into the sycamore tree, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay with you today. And we note the conversion of Zacchaeus because he met the person of Jesus and so now he possessed something that was greater than his amassed wealth. He met the person of Jesus. And just think of what Zacchaeus saw, what he met in Jesus. He says, Lord, you know, I'm going to restore what I have taken. I'm going to restore it. And now he has, he has someone great. He had Jesus. This is what Jesus does. This is why the fictions of the world want to denigrate and hide the person of Jesus from people because Jesus not merely changes lives. Jesus gives people brand new lives. 
well, you have or this person has a genetic predisposition to be a lesbian. No, she doesn't. Well, this person has a genetic propensity to be a homosexual. No, he doesn't. Well, this person has a genetic predisposition to be a trans individual. And so we're going to do what? We're going to destroy this individual's sexual organs. We're going to give them hormone blockers or puberty blockers so that uh, and these will be in their bodies until they can come of age to make the decision. Now, they don't, know, they don't wait for that any longer. They want to mutilate the body. And in mutilating the body, they mutilate the personality of these individuals. When the homosexual meets Jesus, he knows that he is in sin and gives up that sin because he has met Jesus. When the lesbian meets Jesus, she gives up her sin because now she has met Jesus. And he fulfills the homosexual. He fulfills the lesbian. That is why the people of, of, of who walk in darkness do not want these individuals to come to know the person of Jesus because Jesus destroys their power. They will not talk about the violence in lesbian relationships. They will not, the, the media will not talk about the violence in uh, homosexual or lesbian relationships. They will not talk about the domestic issues. They will not talk about the pharmaceuticals that, and, and the, the lifetime of care uh, and counseling that these people are under because they don't want the public at large to know what these people are and how much they suffer. They want to perpetuate the lie that this is all right, this is okay. They want to normalize Sin. And the devil does this because the devil wants this sin, and he knows that it is an affront to God. He knows that this is an offense to God. And so the devil, uh, through his evil uh, spirit, uses and invades these personalities and have them engage in brutal and horrific now these people are talking about monkeypox that are, and this so-called uh, disease is exclusive to a particular group, and that is homosexual males. Now, they will not talk about the patents on uh, the HIV drugs and who created it and why. But these, uh, these so-called diseases uh, have patents on the chemicals, on the drugs, on the biochemistry that put together uh, these horrific diseases. Because these things are not natural, do not naturally occur in nature, as it were. And so 
Jesus is the light of the world. We will make it legal to persecute believers. We will make it legal to hunt down Christians. Because Christians are an offense to the darkness of this age. Believers are the light of the world. It is through us, it is through this community that people can see and learn how to be free of their sin so that they might have eternal life by receiving Jesus Christ, by believing that Jesus shed his blood on Calvary for that individual. Jesus died for me and and you, and Jesus is still saving lost souls, those who were ruined. Listen, when Jesus, that man saw Jesus land uh, in the country of the Gadarenes, he saw Jesus and he ran to Jesus. And he said, Are thou come to torment us before the time? And so this man's personality was controlled by demonic spirits. Jesus healed that man. That man uh, was, was bound and chained, and uh, he would break the fetters. He would break the chains. He was so strong. His strength was supernatural because of the demons. But when the people of that uh, region saw him, they saw this man who was insane and who sat in the tombs, who dwelt in tombs. They saw him clothed and in his right mind because Jesus made him brand new. And that is what he does. Well, God can't save that person. That person is so far gone. Where is it given in in Scripture that you and I are allowed to decide who or who cannot be saved? That is God's business. Our job is to publish the good news. Listen, not merely publish the good news, we must live the good news of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, through who we are, what we do. It is my prayer in these coming coming days that you and I as believers will have a renewed understanding of who we are and what God has called us to do and be in this present age. Listen. You can witness to folk. If you have never witnessed to anyone about Jesus, you may say, well, I don't want to risk re- uh, being rejected. Look, that goes with the, with the territory. God might be prompting you or, or wanting you to speak to someone about his or her salvation. But you have to have faith. To believe that God will use you in this powerful way. Once you get over that fear and you do it again and again and again, you'll get over that stuff about rejection. And God will use you in a very powerful manner in these dark times. And God will give you 
the word that sustains the weary in tough times. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.